This podcast is brought to you by Northern Trust Wealth Management. What is the why that drives today's most successful business leaders? Tune in each month to the Road to Why podcast by the Northern Trust Institute, where host Eric Shapea dives deeper with entrepreneurs on their life's work, legacy, and the greater meaning of it all. Find the Road to Why where you listen to your favorite podcasts. Coming up on the Money Beat podcast, catastrophe bonds help companies mitigate extreme risks. What are the risks in buying them? And also, gold has had a blistering 2016. The price is up quite a lot. That means the counterfeiters have been active. How can you protect yourself against a fake? This is Money Beat from the Wall Street Journal. Now from our studios in New York, here are Paul Vigna and Stephen Grosser. Hello, everybody. Uh, Paul here in the studio. Stephen Grosser. We've given Grosser the day off. He works very hard, and uh, we gave him the day off from the podcast. He's here in the he's here in the newsroom, but not in the studio. But we do have Mr. Eric Holm in the studio with me to to help do to help anchor the podcast today. Let's do it, Eric. Good to see you in pants again, my friend. <laughs> as much as I enjoyed your, I was cold on Friday. I, I was cold too. We all suffered for the cargo point we pants. We were trying to make. We suffered for our fashion. That's right. Our fashion choices. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you, in hey, many listen, ways, if you missed Friday's podcast, our epic uh, cargo pants special, you want to catch up on that one. But today. We're getting back to more serious topics. This is almost uh, this is like a part two of our continuing series of odd things that have happened in the capital market since the financial crisis that you might not have expected to happen, but are now things. That's what I'm calling this segment. Was that with a hyphen? A lot of hyphens in there? Yeah, probably one or two hyphens okay. in there. Uh, a story today in the paper. Uh, you might want to catch this catch this one on catastrophe bonds. And to help us with this one, we have the authors of it, uh, Leslie Sism. Calling in, this folks, this is how dedicated Wall Street Journal reporters are. Uh, Leslie is sitting looking at a rocky mountain in Montana, and you still called in, Leslie. Yes, I did. I'm very loyal. Very loyal. And in the studio here with us, Anna Prita Das. Anna uh, Prita, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Okay, uh, so who wants to explain to me? You know, I'll be dead honest. When I saw the headline on on the page one, I thought, cat bonds? What was that, like something with animals? What is that thing? I, I, dead honest. That's, what my, that's where my mind went first. It's the next internet sensation, it's cat bonds. Next, so uh, catastrophe bonds. Leslie, I want to explain what, what catastrophe bonds are for people who aren't familiar with them. And then we'll get into why these things are becoming more popular. Um, okay. Catastrophe bonds, or cat bonds for short, uh, were born in the 1990s. They are a way for insurance companies to get some extra money on hand to help pay claims in the event of massive hurricanes, earthquakes, or other disasters. At least they started out paying um, claims for big disasters. Insurance companies used to almost exclusively go to a, a niche of the world known as the reinsurance sector to buy such coverage. Now insurance companies set up um, special purpose vehicles that they authorize to go sell bonds to big investors in the capital markets. And then these entities will sell the bonds and the pension funds or the other buyers um, earn like a high yield interest. However, if a designated event occurs, like a massive hurricane, they could lose some or all of their principal. That money would go to the insurance company to go out the door to help pay the claims. 
And so, it, yeah, there's no default, but if a disaster strikes and the terms are specified in the CAT bonds itself. So, um, and what's really been interesting is they've moved from um, ensuring national, uh, natural catastrophes and disasters to more interesting things like Credit Suisse in May actually issued or borrowed the CAT bond structure to insure against um, the risk of losses to the bank from, you know, fraud or rogue trading or things like that. So you can see the expansion of this cat bond-like structure or the idea into um, different uh, types of insurance needs. And I just want to spell, you guys did a good job of spelling it out, but I just sort of want to say it again a different way so that because because it's so essential to understand this before we sort of move forward on this. There are companies out there called like Swiss Re or, or Munich Re or even Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway, which you guys discussed in the story, that act as a backstop for companies that you you've you you do business company. with yeah yeah all state or or state farm or you guys guess had the the mention of USAA insurance in here and the the state farms and the all states of the world have tons and tons of money but they they sort of protect themselves against the worst possible outcomes um, by buying backup protection and they've all, always gone until recently to places like Swiss Re or Munich Re but this gives them an alternative and and it, it spread it, it put, puts the risk onto the capital markets instead of on the the reinsurance industry. So it's just this titanic shift that's taken place, and mostly in the last few years. Right, exactly. I mean, they've been around, as Leslie said, they've been around since um, the aftermath of Hurricane Andrew in 1992. So people began experimenting. As we say in the story, there was this German insurance guy, and he was tasked with figuring out um, how to get some of this reinsurance coverage, how to take advantage of the situation after um, Andrew. And he thought, can we transfer some of this risk to the capital markets, which are basically a limitless source of capital? And that's how the cat bonds got started. But the financial crisis really gave them a big um, leg up because they outperformed um, the wider market, I, I think, you know, and they've um, uh, they've become more popular. And, you know, you've had these years of low interest rates and pension funds and sovereign wealth funds and other big investors are looking for yield and cat bonds, you know, A, provide higher um, uh, returns and B, they're uncorrelated to the wider, you know, dips and rises of the market. So they see it as a good investment as part of a well-diversified and, and, portfolio. And, and that's the real key thing here that has changed lately is that it's the people and the institutions that are now investing in these things. Uh, I mean, you talk about pension funds. To me, something th- this sounds like a kind of a risky thing for a pension fund to get involved in. A- am I wrong about that? Leslie, am I wrong about that? Uh, yeah, let me jump in. Yeah. The... Um, Pension funds don't generally deal directly with the insurance companies. The pension funds are investing through specialized cap bond funds. These cap bond funds hold many, many different cap bonds. So it's sort of like a cap, think of a pension fund being in a mutual fund. So if one of the cap bonds goes bad, there are many other cap bonds, presumably, that are performing well. So uh, it's not going to hurt the retiree depending on that pension fund. And most of the pension funds tend to only put 1% or 2% at most of their total assets into the cap bond category. But you guys did a great job of spelling out. Uh, I forget the exact numbers in the story. I'm looking for it again. Was it 6 and 16, 12? What, what, what's the? Yeah, the returns. Yeah, explain uh, that to me. Yeah, let me. Go ahead, Leslie. That we um, spoke to one um, 
executive at Aon. Aon is a big reinsurance broker. They do a lot of work with um, cat bonds nowadays. And they told us that um, they used to call this the battle of 6 and 16, meaning that pension funds are happy with getting a 6% return on a bond, whereas reinsurance companies traditionally wanted at least 16% a year in a, a return on equity. So the executive told us, I don't use that phrase anymore because the battle's really been won by the pension funds because so much money is going coming in from pension funds that the reinsurance companies last year um, averaged about a 9 to 10 percent ROE. Wow. So, so who, who, who's winning here? If you have so much money pouring in that the companies now can offer lower yields, I assume is, is what the point is, right, because there's so much demand. Who, who ends up winning? It sounds like the insurance companies, the, the issuers are winning. Uh, are the pension funds – who's who's losing if someone's winning? Um, or is anyone? Is this a, a win, 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 win? Well, I think the reinsurers in the short term because they're, what they can charge gets squeezed by mm-hmm. the entrance of um, new money. So they're hurting. Some of them are jumping in and saying, how can we take advantage of these changes and find new opportunities to play in this game? Insurers have um, you know, an option. Earlier, they would just have to go to reinsurers and pay whatever um, high premiums the reinsurers charged. Now they can say, okay, I have a choice. I can go to the capital markets and I can um Get, get reinsurance money there instead of just going to a traditional reinsurer. So they're benefiting. People who are supporters of this change say ultimately it'll lead to a more efficient market, but that hasn't happened yet. And that's what we were trying to capture in the story about just this big change that is happening um, in the industry right now. And let's not forget the homeowner, right? You guys had some great examples in there. Uh, Leslie, how, how is it affecting the sort of the mom and pop? The uh, the insurance companies have started. Um, pardon me. The insurance companies over the last couple of years started passing through some of the savings they're getting on their reinsurance, um, both because these insurance companies have done cap bonds in, um, as well as lower price reinsurance. Um, um, so the consumers, the homeowners, have gotten some benefit from this as the rates have come down. One of our examples was a homeowner in Tampa, Florida, who got a 5% rate reduction this year. And we had another example of a woman who got has had a, uh, about a 12 or 13% reduction over the last several years, all total. Wow. Okay, so, so here's uh, the last question before we let Leslie get back to the the great American West. How dependent is the growth of this market upon the ultra-low interest rates that are all over the, the capital markets in the world right now? That's the big and answered question. We just we just don't know what happens, and you know there is this nightmare scenario that um, uh, interest rates start to rise, and there's a major hurricane, which means that you'll need to p- pay out a lot of these claims. And um, pension funds are like, we don't want to invest in this anymore because we can go get uh, equally good returns elsewhere. Some people in the industry say that they don't think that's the case because, as we said earlier, cat bonds do. Um, are uncorrelated with the wider market, so it's a good hedge. But um, we really don't know. You can speculate all you want, but you'll have to wait to find <laughs> out. That's what makes our job so much fun. All right, uh, Prita, Leslie, thank you very much. Leslie, get back to the mountains. 
Thank you very much. All right. Uh, and we will be back after this important message. I'm Veronica Dagger, and I want to retire rich. How about you? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. We'll help you get there. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcast and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Money Beat Podcast. Paul and Eric Holm in the studio here today. Uh, listen, folks, for more of our great WSJ podcasts, check us out at wsjpodcast.com slash podcast. You don't want to forget that. You, you people know how to get this stuff by now. We're all pretty tech savvy. Uh, we have a lot of great ones out there for you. We've got Your Money Matters. We've got What's News Heard on the Street, Speak Easy, The Free For All with Jason Gay, WSJ Opinion, a lot of things out there for you. Follow us on Twitter at WSJ Podcasts and become a subscriber. Yes, you can subscribe to WSJ Podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. We are also on your Google Play Music app on your Android devices. Uh, Google is really probably one of the most fun words you will ever have to say on a regular basis. Google? Google. 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 Google Play. Google. I just It always cracks me up. All right. Uh, listen, if you follow the gold market out there, you know that the gold has had a really good 2016. There's a lot of uncertainty out there in the world. What's going on? That is always good for the gold market. So gold prices have been going up. As gold prices have been going up, as gold has become more valuable, something else has been uh, rising along with it, and it is really bad. For, for you gold investors out there, Stephanie Yang wrote about it. She is here with us. Stephanie, how are you? Good, good. So tell me about uh, how, how am I supposed to spot fake gold? So uh, interesting story. About half the commodities team could not tell the difference between the fake one and the real one. Oh, no. Oh. So <laughs> you guys are supposed you, to know you, what you're talking about. You did I the, know. <laughs> you did the proverbial taste test. <laughs> I guess so, yeah. Did someone yeah. bite it? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Yeah, isn't that what you do? You bite gold? <laughs> No one tried that one. Oh. I should have come by your guys' desk. See, money these are be, the experts. We have all we have all the tricks. We can money. pretend to be experts on pretty much anything. <laughs> no, but let's talk. This is a really interesting story that you wrote here about the fact that as gold prices have gone up, uh, counterfeiters have been out there have been busy as well. Yeah, so counterfeit has been a consistent problem in the industry ever since you know gold itself existed. Um, but with in the past couple of years. The counterfeit technology has gotten more sophisticated. It's gotten better. So it's harder to detect some of these coins now. At the same time, online marketplaces like eBay, Alibaba, Craigslist make it really easy for people, especially when gold prices are going up. Mm -hmm. You have new buyers. You have people looking for bargains, thinking now is the time to get into gold. You have them going online, and it's very, very easy to buy gold coins without really knowing what you're buying. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of made it a problem for the industry now. And they've gotten to a place where it's time they look at it and say, we have to do something about this. Yeah. Now, wh where did you guys see the gold coins? Did you, did you take a little field trip to the commodities team, or did someone come into the, the newsroom? Yeah, so I actually got a, a real and fake gold Krugerrand, which mm -hmm. is in the graphic. And this uh, it's the, in the money and investing section today. It's a, a lot of great stuff in, these gra in the graphic, by the way. Yeah, yeah. there are a couple of different ways to tell. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and so uh, this was about kind of an average, a little bit better than average fake. And so in the story, it's really interesting because we zoomed in so closely that you can see the little nicks and details that aren't quite the same. 
But, you know, holding them in your hand, it's a lot harder to see those very, very intricate parts of it that will tell you whether Mm -hmm. it's real or fake. Do we know how bad this problem is? So there's it's really hard to come across numbers that capture the broader trend. Mm -hmm. And so in my research, I found that talking to individual dealers, everyone said, yeah, we know that this is a growing problem. That being said, it still makes up a very small portion of the gold market. Um, but there's no one really that tracks it, and there's no one really that governs it necessarily. So the Secret Service technically would be the organization that's responsible for counterfeit money, but they have a lot of other responsibilities that they're, they've been tied up with. Uh, and so talking to people, it kind of falls onto the individual dealers and nonprofit organizations um, and industry groups to track this kind of thing. And so the answer that I came across a lot was, you know, we we can talk about our own numbers, but we don't know about the whole industry. Actually, right. a couple of times I talked to some people and they said, we don't have that data, but if you come across that data, can you tell us? Can really? you tell us where to find it? Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I thought, who, who's who's buying gold coins? I mean, who, 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 what type of investor wants to own gold coins instead of uh, buying a gold ETF, for example? So the people who are involved in the physical market Mm -hmm. sometimes are concerned because with gold ETFs, there's counterparty risk. They don't feel safe with it being on paper, even though popularity of gold ETFs has grown so much in the past 10 years. Um, These are people who are really concerned about the downside, like the extreme downside, right? Mm -hmm. These are are the folks that are looking to buy gold coins. I think it's... But people should know, I mean, if we have anyone who's shopping on eBay for gold coins, you're doing it wrong. I mean, is there any any good argument to be made for shopping? Uh, not to take anything away from eBay, lots of good things you can buy on eBay, but, you know, it, well, there are, there are if, some if things you should looking, not be buying If you're online. looking mm-hmm. to make a real capital investment with your money, right. you don't do it on eBay. Exactly. If you want to buy or a Alibaba, UCD, or Craigslist. Yeah, if you want yeah. to buy a UCD eBay's great. Right. Not a certificate of deposit, by the way. Right. No, no. I mean an actual... Compact disc. I I know nobody uses CDs. Did I just date (laughs) myself again? (laughs) Good God. All right. Um, Well, what I loved was that, um, you know, there's a sort of a 21st century um, solution to this, which which is the smartphone app. Tell us about that. That was crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are a couple of different ways that people have gone about it. I talked to some independent developers who just they themselves are interested in gold. They use the sound test. So, you know, when you hit a gold coin, it makes a very specific sound. There's a very specific frequency. And so they made an app where you hit the coin, let the app hear the sound it makes, and will tell you whether it's real or fake. That is... Isn't that amazing? That is so amazing. These these apps were took about three years to develop, Did, did you use the app? Uh, I did not because I didn't have the gold coin at the time. Uh, I talked to some people who had used the app yeah. before, and they really liked it. They said, you know, the only problem is you... You can only use it for very specific coins that have gone through the process and match up with frequency because every coin is different. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, you know, there are private mints and refiners that have made these apps that you use your iPhone or your camera and you take a picture and it scans the coin or bar and it sees, you know, the details of the surface and it's able to match it up in a database with what the company has produced. Wow. You know, I, I asked about the size of the counterfeit market. Do you know what the size of the the gold coin market is overall? Is, is there are there numbers for that? How big is the gold coin market? 
I believe, well, coin demand is up this year compared yeah. to last year. Um, I believe it's about one-fifth of demand, but okay. I would have to get back to you on those exact That's okay. numbers. So I'm not trying to put you on the spot, Stephanie. <laughs> I, was just, I was just curious, you know. Mm-hmm. So, it, I mean, the, the gold coin market is, is a re- relatively small slice of the overall gold market. Mm-hmm. I mean, right? Yeah, but I do think it's an interesting um, group of people who who turn to it f- mm-hmm. to, for for peace of mind, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and and it, it's it's I don't know it's 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 a unique problem. It's not a problem you have with you know opening up a Schwab account. No, and also when you spoke with people, I mean, what happens? So you if you buy a gold coin and you don't know that you bought a gold coin. Do you only find out if and when you go to resell it and somebody says, hey, sorry, buddy, but you got had it? That happens a lot. And that's oh. why, you know, data awesome. is also hard to find because maybe someone buys a gold coin and then holds on to it for 20 years. Right. Doesn't even right. know that it's fake yet. So um, sometimes, you know, there will be a lot more reports of fakes when media attention is increased just because people are thinking, oh, maybe I should go get this checked out. Yeah. And then that will contribute to the rise in fakes being reported as well. Yeah. What have you done? Yeah. <laughs> it's, you're going to be the reason that everyone's uh, getting I'm their so gold sorry. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> no, no, no. But it's interesting, and and um, uh, the, the you know, not to be too apocalyptic about it, but the thing that was crossing my mind is that you know when the time comes that these become the currency of the land again, no one's going to be able to check to see if they're authentic or not. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. When you're when you're when you're wading through a zombie-infested, you know, disaster of America. No one's going to have a phone app to decide if your gold is real. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Stephanie, before we let you go, uh, and just to kind of wrap this thing up, what what steps should people take to you know ensure that they're not getting had? Mm-hmm. So one thing that the industry really emphasizes is to know buy from reputable dealers. Avoid things like Craigslist and eBay. Yeah. Um, know who you're dealing with. Make sure, you know, the industry is very based on trust, and make sure you have that trust level. Um, there are a couple other tips. You know, weight is a very big giveaway. Uh, gold is very heavy. Um, mm-hmm. It surprised me how heavy it was when I was holding the two, the real and the fake. Um, and so that's an easy way to kind of tell, you know, if it's too light, it's probably made of other metals. Um, the color, the color should be very bright. If, you know, if it's faded or if it's off, that's that, that can be an indicator. Uh, you want to have those details in there. And... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if you're if you're in doubt, there are places that will help you check. You can go to your, you know, you can go to a local dealer. You can send it away to a third party authenticator. So don't rush into it, mm-hmm. at least. Right. Right. Just don't on, you know, go nuts and say, oh my god, I need gold one day, and just go buy some coins. Mm-hmm. Take your time, make sure it's it's real, mm-hmm. and if that's the investment you want to make, make it through someone reputable. Absolutely. Perfect. Stephanie Yang, thank you very much. Great story, by the way. Thank you. Really entertaining. Eric Holm. Thank you very much for being here again. Thanks for having me. Yeah, in 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 pants. Yeah. Doesn't the podcast work better when we're we're professional? Well, I think this one was much more serious than on Friday, yeah. and I think it's because our legs were fully covered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Friday was pretty epic. Everyone, you really should go check out Friday's podcast. Quite a lot of fun. Uh, that is it for us here now. Thank you very much for your time. We always appreciate it, and we'll catch up with you later in the week. For more podcasts, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts. Become a subscriber on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and now look for us on the Google Play Music app on Android devices.